sleeps. Get ready for your sugar high with coffee and candy. Candy. Yes, 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 yes. It's your weekly air candy here with coffee and candy. JC and Armando with our all new podcast. This is episode three, which we're going to dub and name Keeping the Music Alive. In today's episode, we're going to talk about some great oldies dance tracks, as well as ways that those tracks have been revived and renewed through remixes and how the DJs and people in the music world are keeping those songs alive. What do you say about that, my man? I like it. I've been looking forward to this one. This is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about uh, because I do a lot of keeping a song alive in my daily life as a remixer, as a songwriter, as a DJ. But there are a lot of challenges associated with that. And that's one of the things I want to comment on today, because let's face it, we're both on this coffee and candy journey together. But if we had to look at our lives as respective roads, we've been on different roads for a while and you're much further down the music road than me. And uh, my learning curve is something I want to be able to share with our audience and our fan base, because just as a reminder to everybody, you know, professionally, I'm a lawyer, right? I come to work every day. I go to court. I represent my clients. I run my office. And uh, when I take that hat off, I put the coffee and candy hat on and I'm trying to overcome a pretty steep learning curve in the music world, learning about uh, production, learning about DJing, learning about uh, how to make a career of this. So I've got lots of observations and I can't wait to share them. Yeah. When I first started to really get into songwriting and I started to try to understand the methods of you know, how to make a great song. And then once the songs are done, how do I advertise or market my songs to get them out there for people to hear? The one thing that kept coming up is sampling, 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 sampling. Oh, you should sample a big known record. Um, it will be a lot easier for you to kind of get known. And I would say, well, why would I want to do that? I want, I make my own music. They said, yes. However, with so much music that comes out every day, and especially now, like more than ever with the internet and the apps and all the streaming, um, if there's not something in a song that is recognizable to the audience, you're going to have a, touch, a tough time getting them to stop whatever it is they're doing in their busy life to listen to this new artist that is you. Everyone says, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. I got the next big hit. Why should they stop and listen to you? It's, it, it's tough if you're completely, completely new and you're unknown and you have no history of anything out. And then all of a sudden you come out cold thinking that you can just easily get discovered. Not that easy. However, when you have something that is recognizable, then there's a chance that they can say, hey, like I know this melody. Or, oh yeah, this is, this is that old song from the 80s, but they did something different to it. This is kind of cool. I like this. And now you gain their attention in that way. And I found out over the years that strategy works. And the big labels use this strategy all the time. Well, many years ago, when I was in college and high school and I was learning to DJ, and I was spending a lot of time with my man, David DeLuca or Davey D, 
I remember telling him that, hey, I think the future is going to be about remixing old songs. The songs from the, you know, this was in the 90s. So I was talking to David about 80s tracks or late 70s tracks, disco tracks, and suggesting to him that just like the hip hop community was sampling uh, some of those sounds to make those underlying beats that many great hip hop artists then made, uh, you know, rapped and, and produced songs to, I foresaw the same thing that was going to happen in the dance industry. And then, of course, I stepped out and focused on my college career and went in the military and law school and all that fun stuff. And while that was happening, I was just a music fan. I wasn't involved in DJing uh, or going to clubs or festivals much at that time. But I saw what I had suggested to David actually happening. And, you know, you once described to me that uh, the music that we make and that many of our, you know, competitors and uh, contemporaries are making are like, you know, needles in the haystack. How do we get found? I think you quoted to me once that, you know, so many thousands of new songs are becoming available on a daily or a monthly basis. I don't remember it, but it was an astounding number. It's like 6,000 new songs a day are added to like Spotify. Well, cons- a day. considering that statistic and let me just accepting it as true, that just speaks to how difficult it is for an unknown artist to get known. I mean, and when you look at history, like, for example, the Grammy Awards recently, yep. they had the 50th anniversary of, of hip hop. Yeah. And they brought out some, but not all of the great hip hop artists of our time. Of course, there are many others, but still, if you lined them all up on the stage, I don't know, maybe there were 50. Let's say there were 100 compared to the many thousands yeah. that tried and failed, right? Or that, that that made a go of it, but were never really got on the world stage or the national stage and never became household names or, or recognized. That goes to show you just what a small minority of artists and songs become known to the overall greater population. And because the greater population's um, music library or music lexicon is limited to all of the great ones, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's what makes sampling so popular because you're appealing to what folks already know. When you go to the nightclub and everybody's dancing to the beat, everybody gets excited when the song they know comes on. It's the moment to sing along or the moment to get excited because the audience is now not just dancing and having a good time, but now identifying with a song that they know really well. And maybe that song takes them back to a memory in their life. Yep. Maybe it was a first date or a party, a vacation was something in their life that they identify with it. And that's what makes sort of these older tracks um, still popular today. And what I like about the remixing and the sampling of the older tracks is it breathes, what I like to suggest, new life into these old songs, allowing new generations uh, to appreciate it. And tonight, I know we're going to talk about some of these tracks, and there's there's so many examples, but we're going to talk about just a couple of our experiences and remixes of how we've taken a couple of, I'll call them oldies, but they're not really, like older dance tracks, like from the 90s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and how they've been remade and and remixed today uh, to sort of breathe new life into them and introduce them to new audiences. And I think that's the beauty of remixing the old songs, right? Stuff that I grew up with, I'm in my 40s, might be a little different than what you grew up with in your 30s, but if you take tracks that were around when I was in high school, more than 25 years ago, and you remix them today and republish them, you're now able to put those out there to the kids who are in high school today that but for those remixes may never have ever learned about the artist that originally made 
that song and have never been given a chance to experience, you know, their work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a few keywords that I noticed you kept saying. You kept saying things like sampling. You kept saying things like remix. I just want to kind to um, like identify exactly what the difference is. Um, so let's just start with a cover. To do a cover version of a song normally is when you're not going to use any audio from the song that you're covering. You're going to replay and re-sing. So say you are a guitar player or a piano player and you're going to replay that known piece of music. Uh, but maybe you change the key. Maybe you slow it down. Maybe you slightly alter uh, the arrangement. And then you are going to re-sing the known lyrics as well. So you're doing a cover version to the song. Everything is getting re-sung and replayed. You're not using any of the audio content from the original song that is known, right? Now, to sample is uh, the complete opposite. You are going to use a piece of the audio content you're not replaying it you're just straight what we would call just jacking it from it right um say i'm there's an old hip-hop song and i want to jack the drums from it i want to sample the drums from it right i want to take those four or maybe an eight bar loop that has no vocals to it and now maybe the original tempo is like 85 i speed it up to like 95 and then i put some new keys over it a whole new melody over the drums and then i put a whole new rap over it or i sing over it i sampled those drums i didn't make those drums i didn't create those drums i sampled them um and for a remix uh say i take an acapella of a known song and maybe i speed it up a bit and I put all new drums to it and make it a dance remix, which is my most common use of uh, like remixing. Um, but I'm making it known like, hey, this is this song, but it is the Coffee and Candy remix of it. For instance, we did Frozen by Madonna, right? We took the acapella and I think we sped it up a little bit. And then we created an entire new beat a whole new production to go with that we didn't use the melody from the original song we weren't trying to use the melody from the original song we were trying to give it a whole new feeling um but we kept the vocals intact and that was our remix so those are just some examples it gets really interesting because there's many many different ways to keep a song alive I agree with you. Um, what I found to be very interesting about all of this as a newcomer are the legal challenges that one encounters with this. Uh, for example, uh, if you are to sample uh, eight bars of a well-known instrumental or melody of a well-known song and loop it to create uh, a new track or to incorporate it uh, into a new track, 
you run into a copyright infringement. In other words, you took a sample of another artist's copywritten song mm -hmm. in order to create your song. And as a result of that copyright infringement, now the record pools don't want to put the song up. Uh, the artist has an ability to pursue legal action against you because you've used their work for your own gain, yep. uh, etc. And this can also happen where you might take the, um, the vocals of a song, for example, let's say we took the vocals of a Whitney Houston track and uh, we took them exactly as she laid them down in a particular song mm -hmm. by using uh, a software that allows you to separate the song into their stems. Yep. And we take out the acapella and then we use that acapella and we combine it with uh, a new instrumental. Maybe it's an instrumental we took from another artist. Could be. One that we sampled from another artist. Yep. Or one that we created our on our own using our own instruments and our own uh, software. Again, we run into these copyright problems. Uh, and I think that these copyright problems um, serve an important purpose for protecting the artist's original work. And I can see that as an attorney. But I also think that the way these copyright laws uh, are applied is that they unfairly inhibit, they unfairly inhibit other artists, especially those who may be unknown, uh, from moving forward with their careers. And it prevents their works from getting published and put out to the world. Uh, and that's something I hope that uh, I can comment a little bit more on as we share some of our recent sampling with our audience. Yeah. Uh, the act of just taking something and like using it for your own personal use, that itself is actually not illegal. What's illegal is when you try to go and now put it up for a profitable gain to sell it. Um, and that is where now you run into an issue because it's, hey, you don't own the rights to this. This isn't something that you created from scratch. You're using someone else's copywritten material to try to make a profit off it. Um, but there's ways to go about it where you can break down that red tape and you can get the rights and you can get a license to use someone else's song or someone else's lyrics. Um, and that is a very gray area. I'm actually still learning about that. Um, as we do this podcast, I do not know everything on this subject. I'm slowly learning it. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways on how you can go about trying to clear the rights or how you can obtain a particular license, depending on what you want to do with it. Well, listen, we might be getting a little too in-depth for the average member of the audience. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I think we should do. We've talked about sampling. We've talked about uh, remixing. And, and I've highlighted the fact that there are challenges associated with this. And the name of this episode is... Uh, Keeping the Song Alive. So with that said, let's talk about Coffee and Candy's track that we created called Next to Me, which is an awesome track. We'll play that last. But before we play anything, let's talk about what Next to Me is, because essentially Next to Me is a new Coffee and Candy track mm -hmm. that was created taking samples 
of two oldie dance tracks. Yeah. One, the two. famous Amber's Sexual. Classic. Which came out in the early 2000s. Yep. And then we have a sample from, Ru- is it Rui? Rui De Silva? Rui De Silva's Touch Me. Touch Me. Yep. So let's let the audience hear a sample first of Amber's Sexual. Sure. Big, big, big classic dance record, worldwide play. It still gets played in the clubs now in 2023. That song came out in 1999. It was categorized or classified as a pop track by Amber, but became really, really big in the clubs. Uh, From 1996 to 2000 is when I was in college, and every weekend we'd be going to the then the techno or the dance clubs, and this track um, really... Turned on the audiences. It was a big, 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 big song. Yeah. But as the years went on, the song became, you know, simply a page in the history book as new tracks have come out, right? Yeah. As the dance genre kind of changed, the style of the production changed, the style of the songwriting changed. Um, It just kind of, it wasn't that it was forgotten, but it wasn't current no more, as everything is. Everything has a trend to it. Everything has a cycle. So Amber has her success in 1999. Mm-hmm. We fast forward now to 2002. And now we have an artist named Rui Da Silva who puts out another track uh, known as Touch Me using the vocalist Cassandra. Let's give the audience a sample of that original track. Sure. I got to say, I love that song. I love both of them. But candidly, those songs are just not in the rotation of the average nightclub DJ these days because those songs had their moments to shine back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Correct? Yeah. And since then, there have been many, many remakes, covers, remixes of these songs that have came out over the years. I'm sure that there have been some that have got the clearance. Um, And then obviously many, many more hundreds of thousands of just bootlegs, uh, which is just kind of doing it yourself, like putting it out there and not really uh, asking for any sort of public clearance to do it. Well, Coffee and Candy took samples from both of these tracks. Yeah. Put them over a new beat, new bass line, new melody. Yep. We coined the song Next to Me. Mm -hmm. And... um, we then made every effort to go about publishing this song the right way. Let's let the audience hear our creation. All right. Next 
I gotta say, Armando, I love that track, and I get excited every single time we listen to it. Thanks. And I remember that this was one of Coffee and Candy's first major productions. Yeah. It, it was, this production made me think and believe that we could really do Coffee and Candy and move forward together as a team and, and try to carve our path in this, this jungle of a music industry. But when this track came out, we were really inspired by Amber and Rui Deleuze. We were proud of the product that Coffee and Candy uh, was, were able to create. And, and my recollection is that we took all of the appropriate, necessary legal steps to publish this song properly with um, streaming services and uh, uh, record pools. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk the audience through that process so they have an understanding as to what's necessary for remixers like us to be able to keep this type of music alive. Sure. So first, I did not intend to mix these two songs together. Uh, I was in the studio as I, like I normally start off just a blank, empty slate on Logic. And I just started to mess around with different uh, like melodies. And when I had my first melody, which is I'm like the piano's up front, that's all I had. And I started hearing the lyrics to Amber's sexual. And I said, oh, could this go over this? So I grabbed the song. I got the acapella. I fit it in. I, might, I think I had to change like the BPM a little bit. I think this is at 126. Amber's might have been like 130 or something. Um, so I got that rocking. And it felt good, but I only wanted to use just a portion of it. So for the rest of it, I said, all right, what am I going to do with the rest of this? I can't just have this 30-second piece. And then the Touch Me song, complete different artist, complete different song, came into my mind. And I said, could they both work on the same production? 
as you just heard, they did. Um, and when it was done, I said, okay, great record. But now I have not only one, but two problems. I sampled two songs in the same mix. What am I going to do now? So I went online to a few of like my DJ friends and I started to figure out who owns what. What label does Amber belong to? And is it still active? Same thing with the Touch Me song. Um, just to see if anyone that I knew knew anyone from those labels. And not much in my circle, although someone had said it's going to be almost impossible to get both of those cleared. He goes, you might get one of them cleared. You might have to just separate it and, and pick one over the other. I said, I really like the combination of them, though. That's really what makes it special is like the combination of both of those vocals in one song. Uh, so at first, we just put it out on our SoundCloud, just as most people do, just to test the water, see if it actually even stays up there. That was like test number one. Put it on my SoundCloud, put it on like the YouTube page and see if it just gets taken down by the AIs um, that control like the algorithms of it. Because most of the times when you try to put something up that is copywritten and it goes through the processing and it checks to see if this is copywritten material, most of the times it gets flagged. It's identifiable and they say, ah, you know, like you don't own the contents of this audio. This one did it. So that was my first uh, sign of saying, maybe there's a shot here. And then when I showed it to you, you were really excited about this. And you said, how can we push this out? Like really go 100% and get this out there. What do we have to do? I said, if you really want to get it out there the right way, we need to contact the people that own this song and just kind of have a conversation with them and see if they're willing to work with us to get this out. And we can kind of propose it in a way that it favors them. Obviously, they really did all the hard work want to give you if it's a hundred percent of the royalties take it have it we just want the exposure we just want the clearance to push this song as big as we can get it and in return it will help both of us out at least that's what we thought well listen that's that's the part regarding these copyright laws that i just doesn't i don't think makes sense i mean you know, Amber and Rui Deleuze haven't put out tracks in, you know, nearly 20 years. And uh, one could argue that they've sort of been forgotten from the dance world community and that there have been generations that have been born after their work uh, had its its biggest moment. And uh, you and I come along still inspired by them, having been fans of theirs from our past days and continuing to appreciate their work in modern day. And we sampled a little bit from each and made our own creation. Mm -hmm. And um, I reached out, if you remember, to Amber's camp and uh, to Rui Deleuze's camp. It's um, Rui De Silva. Just oh, call Rui. him Rui. Just oh. call him Rui. Rui, yeah. What did I call him? You call it, I'm like, Rui Deleuze? Oh, that could be from an old client. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, actually. But in any, yeah, Rui De Silva, okay? I reached out to these folks. And I told them what we were doing. I sent a link of the music that we had created. I told them that we were big fans of theirs and that we were a new electronic duo that were trying to um, remix and produce music. And keep and, the music alive. And keep their music alive and bring their music to uh, potentially a new fan base. 
and that I would appreciate their support in allowing us to use the samples originally as they were. Uh, I wasn't interested in earning a penny from it. I made it clear to both of them that I had no interest in financial gain. I just wanted the opportunity to have some exposure uh, for coffee and candy. And uh, both of them responded in a professional yet short manner, basically asking that we take down the tracks. Because at that time, we did go ahead and we put it up on the streaming sites. Yeah. We put it up on Spotify and Apple Music and, you know, like there's a few third party sites uh, that like you can do this from where it goes out to all like the different platforms, right? Yeah, but you also use there's a there's a third party site that we use. I can't think of the name of it. Maybe it's called like Distro DistroKit. DistroKit, yeah. And uh, that's the site that you've used in the past to try to register the song and secure the necessary licenses in order to put the song out on the streaming services. And we went through all the necessary steps. Mm-hmm. And initially, DistroKit accepted the submission but then as like a week or two or three went by they essentially indicated that the license was going to be revoked yeah so we just what we did was we just did basic steps when we uploaded it we admitted that we are using uh audio that does not belong to us and then when you check that box it says well who does it belong to and then you have to give the name and the links and, and, and all that. So we did that. Um, and I've done this with a few songs. And some of them have been right off the back. They've been rejected. And then some of them have gone through. This one has gone through. And it was up there for a little bit. I don't know if it was weeks or months. Um, but then at some point, there was an email that came through. And it was almost the same day that we got a text from Rui Silver saying, hey, I'm going to ask you guys to please take this down off the streaming sites um and probably with in the next couple of hours or, or like by the next day it was off i didn't even have to go take it off it got taken off for me <laughs> i've got a surprise for you okay i actually have saved in my instagram in the coffee and candy instagram account okay the text message exchange with Rui da silva would you like me to share it Sure, if you want. Just so everyone can see how um, above board we were with yeah. the whole process. Because again, this is a learning experience for me. I thought, hey, I'm doing the right thing here. I'm going to get some some support and encouragement from another artist mm-hmm. who, who once was like me. So on September the 1st, 21st, September 21st, 2022, I wrote to Rui and I said, Hi, Rui. My partner and I recently made a great me- remix that samples vocals from your awesome track, Touch Me on our second verse with Cassandra. I'd like you to give it a listen. Essentially, we seek your approval to utilize this to get the track on various streaming platforms. I'm going to approach Cassandra and her team as well. We are not interested in any royalties, just the exposure. So on October the 10th, uh, some three weeks later, Rui wrote back in very short fashion, Hello there, could you please remove the track from Beatport and elsewhere that you have uploaded it to? Thank you. So I responded, trying to save the day, saying, Hi Rui, thanks for the note. I really appreciate you reaching out to Coffee and Candy. We're a new electronic music duo performing as DJs and learning to become producers. We're huge fans of your work and other artists from your era. The electronic music scene is constantly evolving and we seek to be relevant in the modern day. 
we created the Next to Me track using vocals from both your work and Amber's Sexual. We published it properly using distrokid.com and properly listed the correct artists used and samples to ensure that you all receive the credit you are due. We're not interested in earning any money, but rather to promote our artwork. Many artists of the past, such as yourself, made lasting impressions in the late 90s and early 2000s. My partner and I only sought to incorporate your work into ours in an effort to give it new life and to bring it to new audiences. We very much appreciate your support in this endeavor. If you do not wish to support us as upcoming artists, understanding you were once like us, then we'll take it down. However, we'll continue to share the art on our own website and with other record pools. I cannot help but think that without new blood coming into the industry, it will only be a matter of time before work like yours fades into the past. Helping us keep the music going. Help us keep the music going, my friend. And, you know, Rui wrote back the next day. Thank you for the words and thanks for letting me know that you're taking down my music from Beatport and Spotify and all other platforms. So that was a learning lesson for me. Going out there, professional, paying homage to Rui and others and asking them to support us. Not to put money in our pockets, not to cause them to take money out of theirs, but let us further our artwork, sampling your great works of the past, and you can keep any money that stems from it. But we got no support. And I suspect that the sentiments shared with us by Rui are probably shared by many other successful artists in the music industry, which instead of facilitating the evolution and growth of the music industry is holding many people back. Now, I'll tell you this, because I know you want to speak, but let me say this one thing. You don't get this in the legal profession. Lawyers who have been practicing for a number of years always welcome the opportunity to embrace and mentor new lawyers entering the profession, to pass on their experiences, their knowledge, to share their mistakes, misjudgments, and to also share their victories so that the profession may continue to evolve with new generations. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that the music industry doesn't see it that way. And that, my friend, I find to be disappointing, but a challenge that I embrace and will continue to work to overcome. All I have to say on that is that the music industry is very cutthroat and there's no friendships. It's all business. It's all business. It always was and it always will be. And what I have learned from talking through a few other friends of mine that have tried to take this path is that it's not just as easy as someone like Ruby saying, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. When there's labels involved and when there's other behind the scenes people involved that own rights to the song um, with the publishing side, with the writing side, with the production side, at times it could cost more to just get all the players on board than it would probably cost uh, or not it would probably cost but like it would cost more to get everyone to agree to, to sign off on it than like the potential uh, like earnings of what this new version could bring in for everybody well maybe over time 
both technology and the law will evolve that will pave the way for other artists like us. Like us, for example, I suspect that people aren't going out today and buying albums like they did when we grew up. Records, CDs, tapes, that's just not happening anymore. People expect the music to be for free through the streaming services to which they subscribe. So I don't think that record companies and artists are making big bucks selling albums these days. I think the money's in the live performances yeah. and probably getting fractions of pennies per plays for the streaming services or when uh, these other organizations assess um, costs on nightclubs and other venues to play music. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, so, like, it's been that way for probably the last two decades. So, with that said, if that is the way the money is made for the labels and potentially uh, for, for the artists, mm -hmm. folks like us come along and many others like us who are sampling and remixing those other tracks mm -hmm. and assuming they could get airplay and assuming that the plays of the remixed tracks could result in additional financial benefit for the original creators, our work would essentially be uncompensated and we would be passing on the financial rewards from the streams to the original artists. Essentially, we would be making money for them. Yes. And if they viewed it that way, instead of this antiquated, narrow-minded, self-preservation attitude from works that were performed 20 or 30 years ago that nobody is streaming today because the kids are always looking for the latest and the greatest and be more open-minded, it may actually contribute to not only reviving their songs and putting them back on the map in terms of reviving or re refreshing their reputations, mm -hmm. but it also may reward them financially. Yeah, and I think... When this does work out is when the labels want it to work out. When they're in favor of trying to revive something. And this could be an example. Such as when they sanction a remix? Um, so, whoever owns the catalog for a particular artist or, or song, um, if that label has a new artist that they had just signed in 2023 and that artist is kind of looking to do a remake or a cover of a well-known famous song, say, from the 70s or the 80s or 90s, and they say, hey, here is the catalog that we actually own. We own all of these songs from the 70s, these songs in the 80s, these songs in the 90s. We already own them. We don't have to obtain the rights. Take your pick. Which one do you want to recreate? Because we already own everything. That is when it's in their favor. When they already own the rights. Make sense? It does. This is a circumstance where the label says it's okay to let the new producer or the new DJ remix the old track. They don't like to have outsiders eating their pie. They like to keep a nice, tight, small circle. The people that have been eating for all these years... They want to stay eating for all these years. But the if, moment you bring in someone else, guess what? All those pieces get smaller and smaller. But when we hop on the record pool, for example, and we see a track, and I won't name any particular song, but let's suppose that we see a new song, we'll call it, you know, track A. Mm -hmm. And track A came out on such and such a date. 
in the weeks and months that follow the original introduction onto the pool of track A, you see that track A being remixed week after week after week after week by new people, whether they be uh, different remixers, different production companies, what have you. Because yeah. now it's, it's uh, like trending. Everyone yeah, wants a piece of it. Of course. And I realize that all these remixes that we're seeing on the pools are likely, if not all, most, if not all, bootleg remixes. I but would say the, 99%. But if the catalog holder of the original song mm-hmm. could somehow, through technology, maintain accountability of each and every one of these remixes, and every time those remix songs are downloaded from a record pool or streamed on a platform and capture the dollar from it, it would be in their best interests to, to allow for this. Think of it this way. If I'm the label and I have an original song and I sanction a remix by you, Cisco Kennedy, that means every stream that Cisco Kennedy has of my original song, I'm getting paid on. But if there's a hundred people in the country who have chosen to come up with an individual remix of my song and I allow all 100 versions to be on Spotify, Apple Music and what have you, and I'm able to manage and track every single one of those streams, giving all of them the exposure, but capitalizing on the, 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 the finances on my end, mm-hmm. I am increasing my revenue a hundredfold. Do you see? So behind the scenes, there actually is something like that going on. There are people from the labels that are monetizing all these remixes. And what that means is what they're doing is they're giving all the remixes this certain, uh, like an ID tag that when it gets played by whatever radio or like mix show, that remix counts towards the original's song. So it's, it's a lot deeper than that. But like in a nutshell, all of these bootlegs and all these remixes, most of them are actually getting counted for. And it is helping the original artists in that record, whether new or old, succeed. Um, and that is something that is just done behind the scenes. I ha- I've had some people from certain labels hit me up and ask me, hey, could you send me that remix that you just put out on the pool a couple weeks ago to this song, I like to get it monetized for airplay. And I say, yeah, cool, great. Um, and what that means is that now when like a DJ is playing that in the club or on their mix show on some satellite radio, when that when my mix gets uh, played out there, it's being like counted towards the original song's airplay. Then perhaps the next stage is for some website or collection of websites or some service or collection of services like DistroKid to offer the monetization of remixes. And that would, if, if a law could be written where the monetization can be done by a third party in such a way that guarantees all of the financing going back to the original copyright holders or the labels and sort of take away the copyright protection that prevents the bootleg remix from getting exposure, maybe that would meet everybody's interest. Because it sounds to me like it's a lack of accountability that they don't have, which is why they're so you know, um, protective of the original product. Yeah, yeah. So there's a difference between 
when you wanted to put it out on streaming sites and then if you wanted to make uh, like physical copies of them, you know, which doesn't happen anymore. But that's when you really need like permission and you can really get in trouble for. Now that you're just able to put it up on YouTube or SoundCloud, like the labels sitting back saying to themselves, thank you, thank you, thank you. Every day they're waking up just saying, thank you, thank you. Thanks all these new bootlegging remixes, these dubstep versions and tech house versions. Thank you very much. We didn't have to pay a penny for all of these great, great new mixes. But we're going and we're claiming every single one of them. We own that. 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 And all the plays and all the royalties for those are all going to them. So, like, they're getting it. Well, hopefully the, we're just not seeing it. I hope they wake up a bit faster and pull back those curtains more quickly to pursue the monetization so that more artists won't be held back. But hey, speaking of remixes, whether sanctioned by the label or bootleg, do we have a mix for our audience this week? Yeah, so I put together a 30-minute mix of uh, some of our like favorite 80s and 90s remixes um, in the style that we play, which is up tempo, electronic, dance, house, right? And uh, these are just some of our favorites that we throw into our sets whenever we're out there doing shows. So I uh, hope you like it. Here it is. Let's hear it. Get ready for your sugar high with coffee and candy.
rush it. This year's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down cause you're overzealous. Play hard to get females, get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scanned through the cloud, it's showing body. A chick walks by, you wish you'd text her, but she's in another wall like English point extra. Next day function, high class luncheon. Food is served in your stone cold munching. Music comes on, people start to dance, but then you ate so much, you nearly split your pants. A girl starts walking, guys start talking. Sits down next to you and starts talking. Says she wanna dance cause she likes the groove. So come on, fat so and just bust the move. Someone could cure your lonely condition Looking for love in all the wrong places No fine girls, just ugly faces From frustration, first inclination Is to become a monk and leave the situation But every dark tunnel has a light of hope So don't hang yourself with a celibate rope New movies showing, so you're going Could care less about the vibe you're blowing Theater gets dark, just to start the show Then you spot a fine woman sitting in your row She's dressed in the yellow, she says hello Come sit next to me, you fine fellow You run over there without a second to lose And what comes next? Hey, bust the move just bust the move. Just bust the move.
It's coffee and candy, bitch.